0: welcome to the fit affiliate podcast where with honesty and transparency we talk about all things fitness coaching and gym ownership so that you can feel less crazy and frustrated and alone while you also find more freedom and make more money
1: and here we are again with another episode of the fit affiliate podcast and i'm joined once again by chuck and tony how are you gentlemen
2: doing so good Always the highlight of my Wednesday, although
1: that doesn't really matter because I'm not sure when anybody's going to listen to this anyways, but this is always the highlight. It's the highlight of the Wednesday. I won't feel bad that my call follows this, but that's okay. No offense to the the calls that preceded this either. Sorry, guys. Um, I do love you as well. (laughs) Some awkward meetings to follow. Um, I thought that uh, today, knowing, um, and it's probably a good highlight even looking at our scenery behind us, all the books that Chuck has, and you guys recommend reading so much to clients. I thought it was a good way, good topic today that we can talk about is some of the important books that you recommend that clients have in their arsenal for for various aspects of their business. Um, And I think that the first one that you always recommend to clients and is possibly your most important re-referred back to book all the time is the magic of thinking big an oldie but a goodie so maybe we can start with that one and talk about you know why you think that one is so important and why it's kind of the foundation of what you recommend to clients straight off the bat
0: well well I feel like we need to get like a, a, like an automation system of like a coin tosser or a random number yeah. generator for when we're like, so who's taking it first?
2: One, yeah.
0: two, two, well, You're two for two since I missed the window. So if you want to start, you can, or if you won and you want to uh, tell me, I need to start, you can.
2: I mean, I guess I could, I, I can jump into it. There's obviously a lot of books that we suggest to you guys. I, and One of the reasons for that, I think is because, We are just huge readers. Obviously, you can see the backdrop of Chuck's call. My backdrop is much more stark. Looks like I just do a lot more bring muscle, (laughs) but I assure you, these rarely ever get used. Um, But respectfully, it is because we we do read so often that we find it to be very valuable to recommend certain books. Um, The magic of thinking big becomes the first book that we give to so many people because it is so truly important. But I think before we talk about why that book is important, I think the Probably the more important disclaimer in this is, I don't really particularly care what anybody reads, just that they do read. Um, it is such an interesting thing, um, or an interesting identity that so many people have, where they're they're not readers, or they they don't think they're good readers, or they they you know they, they don't like to read, or whatever the reason is. Um, there is no resource so readily available to any human in terms of advancement development uh, like reading. Um, and so what you read I don't think necessarily matters so much. It's just that you you choose the identity of reading because really what you're choosing by choosing the identity of reading is you're choosing identity of learning. And one of the key attributes and similarities between all high performers is, is in their confidence level. Um, and confidence is not necessarily like most people think confidences. Confidence is really their belief and their ability to take on any situation. Uh, and what that really means is that they're truly confident in their ability to learn, address, and adapt to any single situation. And so regardless of what business you're in or what interests you have, choosing an identity uh, of learning and that you are a learner and you believe in your ability to learn is probably one of the most beneficial and valuable uh, self-attributes or identities you can give to yourself. Um, And so I think that that's probably the most important precedent to this conversation is we're going to tell you some of the reasons that we like these books, but if you just commit to learning, which is really just reading, uh, you're going to have, it's compounding interest, right? So a little bit of reading each day goes a long way, you know, in terms of, uh, of becoming a very different person. And I think a lot of people look at books as like this insurmountable task of like, how am I ever going to read 300 pages one at a time, right? But no doubt about it, if you just commit to the practice regularly of reading, you know, for a couple of minutes each day or a little few pages each day, <clears throat> it's amazing how far you can get. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about that is that I was many, many years ago, really for the most of my life, was very convinced I was not a good reader. I was not, I was not somebody who could finish a book, I I had a hard time. I would get halfway through a page and I'd be distracted and I would reread the page and I was all these things. And it's truly a skill like anything else. And so it's something I'm very passionate about is because somebody who did relearn the ability to learn and relearn the ability to read, I think it's very valuable. School very much taught me that I was bad at it. And I think I owned that identity for a very long time and it hindered me. And man, if I could change one thing about a good chunk of my life, I would have started reading and convinced myself to read much sooner. Um, And so I guess that is my first big sort of... uh imploring or indication that you guys should probably take.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe we start there is like why we are so why we are so quick and consistent to recommend books to people and why like we are so adamant about that and then we'll circle back to like why specifically Magic of Thinking Big is one consistent regular reference to begin in the client relationship. So Tony ran through a ton of great points um, and you know the, the big one from his list that I would echo it's just like the adoption of a growth mindset and just that like, Hey, like I might not be good at this thing right now, but I can learn about this thing. I can grow this thing. I can develop this thing, anything in the whole wide world that you could ever want to know about or improve in, there is something written somewhere that can make you a little bit better. And so that's an important recognition of the change in the identity. So some other things to add to his list, <clears throat> the idea of collapsing time. I think that is really overlooked that a lot of people don't appreciate that in, in getting a book, you have the ability to take like potentially one of the world's greatest experts in a topic and approach that like how they view some subject through the lens of after 20 years, what they decided that like in these 10 chapters, I will give everybody my most important thoughts and ideas on this subject man, like that's a, that's a great way to make a better use of your time because somebody else wanted to do it for you. Um, so collapsing time is an important framework that reading helps to teach people. And then also understanding return on investment. Um, if you get one singular good idea from a book, it's almost impossible for it to not be ROI positive. Right. Like whether it's whether it's fiction or nonfiction, if a thing like makes you happier, changes how you view the world, gives you a nice compliment to give to somebody else or like helps you make a little bit more money one time. Like it's pretty fucking hard to not get like twenty dollars of value out of a book. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And so
0: one of my favorite authors, Seth, um, Seth Godin, who we end up referencing a ton. He ends up looking at books in the same way as an investment. He's like, you know, in what other world for 20 bucks can you get 20 years of experience condensed down from somebody else in a way that that very day could potentially change the entire trajectory of the rest of your life? Yeah. So it's, it's an incredible return of time and it's an incredible <laughs> like actual objective investment.
1: I think that um, people can also think that, feel like, I should be working and and actively hustling to use that overused term a lot rather than they'd see sitting down to reading would be a luxury or get overwhelmed with the thought that if I'm going to read a book, I've got to sit and, you know, sit all day and by a rainy window and, and under a blanket and read all day rather than just that practice of 10 minutes a day of, you know, just getting through what you can in that 10 minutes and not seeing it as a, waste of time or luxury time as in it's time you can spend learning and growing when you yeah, frame you it differently get, it becomes a yeah. priority
2: it's the other side of the, of the of the coin so to speak with Chuck's conversation of collapsing time right like I get it like we all have a million things to do those to-do lists aren't getting any shorter and you sit in possession of of an affiliate and there's no shortage of things in your inbox and things to attend to but the reality is is that sure you could be probably doing something better with your time at the moment. But what that really means is investing time energy into inevitable failures. right? So why not just advocate for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes of of time invested as opposed to time spent in that investment into the area of which you are already admittedly and knowingly bad at and read about it. Right and like Chuck just said, there's n- almost no way you can't get one idea out of the foremost experts in their field who wrote a book on their last forty years of their life, and you paid thirty dollars for it. Right, so you know if, if you can get if you can get one idea out of there, the amount of execution in time that you will shrink, I assure you, will far collapse more time for you than any amount of busy work you're about to do because you don't have
0: time to read. And I think that maybe like. Tony had mentioned some of his like struggles in the traditional school system, building a bad frame of reference for reading early on. I think that's it for a lot of people is the idea is either I read for pleasure because it's fiction or I read for the sake of reading to just accumulate some type of knowledge, because that's generally the entire process of like, you know, early school through collegiate level stuff. It's just knowledge accumulation. Maybe it is or isn't, Tied to a specific problem that you're actively trying to solve and so the whole framework for this conversation beyond just reading is like what books do you guys recommend well the recommendation is based on the issue or the problem so the assumption is that somebody wants to do something about it and so if we go back to like where you looked at the earlier objection where somebody's like oh, i just don't have time to read and you're like okay cool but you do have time to stumble through this area for 20 to 40 years to try to kind of figure it out on your own. Or maybe you just need a better idea. And if you're really attached to like execution, cool. Go read one page and get one idea and then get your ass back to work doing something a little bit better. You know, we're not saying that you need to sit and read 100 pages. Maybe you just read one page 100 times. You know, and and in that, like, when you find the things that click that are worthwhile and important, they potentially have the ability to literally alter the course of your life. Yeah. And, man, I wasted a whole lot of time and energy early on in, like, the journey. I wasted a lot of time and energy on tasks and execution that were tied to, like, marketing and branding and growth and trying to convey a message. Reading <laughs> This is Marketing by Seth Godin and reading Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, those two $20 investments that each took about three to four hours of time have like forever altered the course of the rest of my life. Three to four hours of time is a low estimate. Sorry, I was thinking from the audiobooks because I've revisited both, but anyway. That's the other thing is like a lot of what we end up recommending to people, it's that we recommend they go through in an audible format. And so like what excuse do you really have when most people have plenty of wasted dead time doing, you know, commuting or walking or dog walking or just not in any of that's wasted time, but like the time exists if we're like, okay, what if it's about consuming the information and not that the way that you do that has to be through physically your eyes on a page. I don't feel like there's any excuse or objection at that point.
1: No. Because I know and-
0: everybody out there is either listening to music or podcasts at some point.
1: Well, hopefully this podcast. But, yes, you're absorbing that information and you have time to, when you actually think about how much information you just neutrally absorb rather than, you know, actively that you're seeking out, you realise that you've got more time to, to take that on. And I know that. Books that you've recommended to me, I've done Audible because I could get that instantly and then ones I wanted to dig further to, then I got the actual the, the paper book to actually then, you know, to dig further and, and to make notes on.
2: Yeah, I don't care how you consume information. What I care about is that you consume the information, right? I mean, because inevitably if at some point we end up engaging in a relationship, I assume it's probably likely going to be that it's my responsibility to improve you, Right. I think there's just no better resource for me to readily make available to you than books. I mean, they just—they're just, they're there. They've been there forever. They're going to continue to be there for forever. How you would like to ingest said information doesn't matter. I mean, audiobooks are fantastic for a lot of people. So maybe you are bad at reading, but I know you drive. Turn it on. Increase. You don't get a lot of time. Double the listening rate. I don't. There's no real reason for you to not consume the information aside from the fact that you're not willfully choosing the identity which has been the conversation so far like yeah one of the big important parts for us is is the power of identity and choosing that identity and then really honestly the benefit and the value that comes from making that decision and that's the reason why really we we choose the magic of thinking big as probably the it's probably the single book that gets referred to every single client i mean there's lots of books but i can say with with certainty, without fail, every client has been given a copy of The Magical Thing Big. And the, really the reason for that is that that book is mostly about the conversation of identity, and realizing that like you don't need to be truly intelligent to be successful. You don't need to be unique in any key area. You just have to align your intentions and your actions with the identity that you want, which is to be successful, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and to move towards that. And that's why the book is so important in the beginning of this coaching journey is that like from this day forward, you need I need you to choose an identity of progress, whatever that looks like. I don't care where you're going. Right. And you, you could be wanting to build a hot dog stand or you could want the best affiliate. What I want is you to be invested in that you are determined to be better. And so what is uniquely problematic is that most people come into the relationship unable to curate that identity. Right, They they don't know where they want to get to. They don't believe in their ability to get there. They've lost sight of the possibility to be able to achieve any degree of success. And so what they're looking for is like, can you just give me the minimum effective dose so I can just stop suffering? And what we need you to understand is that everything is truly within your grasp, regardless of how you feel about yourself and your past and your history. And that's really the magic of thinking big in a nutshell, is getting you to understand that the power of identity will above all things and anything dictates your success in life and especially as a client with us. And so that's why everybody gets that book.
1: And I think the, the powerful thing in that book for for me and the, and the lesson that I've had over and over is that, you know, throughout life, you're told to, you know, stay in your lane and, and, you know, be realistic about your expectations and no one really encourages you to think beyond that. And, you know, if you imagine anything that you want to be and that, and that it's okay to do that and giving yourself permission to you know be wildly you know um outrageous, I guess with what you want to be and and big and then strive for that
2: yeah I mean no, I think I don't the magic. Think I like where
0: that changes that's so interesting, like even in the construct of like you know because I think the easy answer for a lot of people are like in the school system, but I've got a four year old and like even early on in the education system, we are very, very rewarding of creativity. And it's a big talking point. It's hugely celebrated. And I'm not sure when that is that like it becomes discouraged and probably like middle school age. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. That's yeah. an interesting thing about it. Like, yeah. a lot it's of environments
2: I think that, that play a role in there, right? I mean, school obviously, school gets the most, you know, credit for its ability to take that because it's, it's the most regularly and consistently administered dose, right? You're going to face it for at least 13 years of your life every single day. Except for the couple of months that you're off each year, and so no doubt about it, that's going to mold you for sure. But your household, your circle of friends, your family, your extended relationships—you know, people's expectations of you, their their disposition of themselves. I mean, all those things. Let's be honest: very few people are are very happy to see other people get ahead because all it is is a reminder Mm -hmm. that they're not right and like that's an unfortunate reality that we all have to play with but that's the parameter that's set so operate within it and so you know what is the magic so to speak of, of the minutia that's inside the magic of thinking big is is that book really gives you the permission to understand to know that you can choose your own identity where i think a lot of people believe in response to this conversation that. Your identity is is chosen by other people. It's bestowed upon you. You know you are you are a uh, you know you're a good person when you when you have done good things or once good yes, you're a writer once you have made the sellers list. But it's not right. The point of the magic being big is that it's up to you what lane you stay in, but you can change that lane anytime you want. And so the, that book is really about giving yourself the permission to change your identity with your choices, yeah. as opposed to feeling like your identity is a, is a byproduct or a culmination of said choices
1: cuz so many times we we're, we're just told you know stay within your station in life like people like us only go this far or you know whereas i know the mentality in in affiliate, we when we talk about members in the gym it's you know people like us do things like this rather than and look at framing that in a positive way rather than Oh no, because we come from we're this sort of people, we come from this area, or we or whatever, this is our limit. This is where we stop. And we can completely flip that on its head with the right inputs. For sure. So Magic and Thingy Big is is a is a really big one. Um which led me to thinking that, you know, we have, you know, almost our four pillars. Um, you know, when when talking to clients being freedom of um, time, purpose, money, relationships. Um, so maybe it's a good way to go through some of those and link to um, books that might fit under each of those categories to give people a starting point that they can go, yeah, I really struggle with my freedom, yeah, my time or my relationship or even, uh, you know, down to mindset and all uh, technical things. But, a lot of those books you recommend would fit under those broad banners because that's that's your guiding principles. What I think
2: is interesting, I mean, if you're a reader, um, at some point you've probably given somebody a book or suggested them to read the book. And frustratingly, you become aware that they didn't finish the book or they didn't read the book. And What I find so fascinating about reading is how two people can read the same book and get something so different from it. Um, And so I'm I'm reluctant always to give blind advice on books to read. Like Chuck said in the beginning of this conversation, generally recommendations that we give to people are largely linked to individual personal conversations and personal struggles. Because we find we personally have had some degree of benefit or value that we've derived from that book in, in accomplishing or achieving or surmounting that exact same task. Um, admittedly, I don't know as though most of the time they actually truly do read it. And when they do read it, I don't know as though they've gotten the same amount of, of value from it. What I do know though, is that it's opened the door for them to realize that if we, if we just keep prescribing books to them after enough time, they realize that like, okay, I get it. There must be something to this whole book thing. And again, I don't particularly, I mean, there's a lot of books, like, You take personal finance books, there's a million different versions of the exact same conversation. You know, it's what clicks to the reader is what clicks to the reader. And I think that that's the coolest part of of books and literature in general is that two people can have that same sonder experience. They experience the same thing so differently. Uh, And so that's my only caution before we get into giving you guys a whole bunch of books is that. You know, I don't want you to have to feel like you have to run out and end up leaving this podcast with like a library of new books. Do I think personally your life would be better for it? Absolutely. But it's up to you to be receptive
1: to the information. Yep, for sure. And depending on, you know, where you're at and, um, you know, what you might be prioritizing mm-hmm. in your own life at that time. Yeah. So... Let's let's go dig into the financial aspect because that's a big one for everybody. There's, you know, Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's Best Investor, okay, so Profit like, First. Those are
0: the two kind of basic requirements. Like, you know, like Tony said, most books end up saying the same as another book because there's no, like, new idea under the sun and you've just got to figure out what clicks. But, like, there's a reason that those two have been so recommended for so long by so many people. So, you know, I would say that those are two very, very solid places to to start for somebody that isn't, like, you know, in the game of reading. But uh, if I had to give one more, fine, let's see, maybe I'll think about it from that, like, construct. If I had to give one more recommendation, more hyper-specific to find it well, just because it ties into money stuff. I would say something on sales. If like, if you really want to just keep it more centric to money, but not as like an abstract construct, cause think and grow rich and rich dad, poor dad, they're very much just like principle driven and there's nothing kind of like super tactical to them. And so there's a million other finance related books. The, that side is like business and finance stuff, like on my left hand, but beyond just basic principle stuff, I think. One piece that separates a lot of people earlier in the journey from where they need to be later in the journey is just a basic recognition of like a sales skill set if we're talking about you know under that pillar of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. seller be sold, um, closer survival guide, uh perennial seller, um. Yep. That's probably a good starting point. Tony will probably add some more.
2: Well, I mean those are all probably relatively definitive. Generally speaking, the books that are most often uh, advised from us are not books that are definitive and ideal. And that's mostly because the nature of what we do here at the affiliate is to not tell you what to do, but just to change the way that you view things. And so many of the books that, that we prescribe are... There's their books on theory, their books on identity, their books on belief building, you know, because I believe that rather than being a definitive certain way to do things, they provoke a conversation that affords people to step back from their personal limiting beliefs as it applies to like money, for example, in this conversation. And I think that, you know, rich dad, poor dad has been for so many people that foundational pivotal book where they've just been like, holy shit, I've been wrong this whole time. And, you know, and then other people read and they're like, this book is complete garbage. There's no way that this makes sense. And so I think a big conversation that needs to have as it applies to books is, is reading for resistance And man, does this affect a lot of people? And I think this is, this is an affliction that carries over from like required reading in school where you were forced to read a book or you had to read a book and then write a report on it. And like, you read that book, not because you wanted to, but you're like, oh, fucking read this book until it's done. And then I got to write the stupid report. And what ends up happening is you learn to tailor your experience to reading in that rather than being receptive, you read for resistance. And, and so it's an interesting thing. And so a lot of people, when later on in life, we give them books, they don't read the book to be receptive to the information that might possibly be contained within there. They read the book, for resistance so that they can come back and be like and almost challenge the notion of which the book was given to them. on. And I'm like, OK, I'm open to discourse. We can do that. But that was not the point of me asking you to read the book. And so <laughs> when when reading, I think it's important that you do make sure that, you know, woo woo, whatever you want to call it. Before you start reading, you step back and you put yourself into a frame of, of being receptive to whatever the message is, because I read a lot of books that are that are conflicting and counter. To my personal beliefs and I find that to be very valuable. So I have to remind myself to like to not go into this book as like, I'm gonna tear this book apart. Like, I don't believe anything in it, but instead I'm gonna go in there and be like, okay, challenge the way that I see the world so that I can come out of here with a new and an improved one. And as it applies to money, <clears throat> I mean, if you hang around here enough, you'll hear us say it, money is just not real, right? It's a perception. And so the first big task that has to be addressed with everybody is getting you to step back from this these beliefs and these these truths that we've accepted with money so that you can understand that like money is not real as such, that I have control over. it. And so like Chuck said, regardless of where their disposition is with money for most of the clients, generally speaking, we we advise everybody to get into some degree of finance creation, money creation, wealth creation conversations, more so than we advocate into expense management. Or otherwise, like most financial books are. I mean, there's some other great books out there. Like "I'll Teach You to Be Rich" is a great book, but that's oh, very classic. That one's really good. Yeah, it's a very classic book. What's nice about that book is it's like it's a six week process to kind of like get your shit together, so to speak. And I like that because it gives people very tangible, actionable steps to take. And so if like you are somebody who struggles with poor financial habits, maybe that needs to be addressed. But generally speaking, I found very few people whose relationship with money. Can't be completely obliterated and changed and improved without teaching them that freedom of money is not the amassing of a pile of wealth until the point where you don't have to worry about money. Freedom of money is investing in and creating the skill set so that you can create money out of thin air. Once you can do that and business owners are in possession of that, you'll be free of money. And so that's why any book on sales is generally a great idea to start with because it teaches you how to essentially create money out of thin air.
0: And so there's obviously no shortage of like finance books and sales books and people can do whatever they want, look at whatever they want um, and we can move on to a different topic from this. But to echo something that Tony said and then like give validity to it, the things that we end up drawing the most to are the things that reference belief structures and identity. And so look look at the four like specific sales related books that came up. The closers survival guide. I am a closer. Like that is an identity piece, right? Seller be sold. Well, who am I in a conversation? Am I the one selling or am I the one being sold? Because that's an identity and that's a belief. I will teach you to be rich. Okay. Like I will be rich. Like that is what I know exists at the end of this identity. And then like perennial seller, like, Do we understand engaging with ourselves and the world in a way that like we are always selling for the right reasons in perpetuity? And really, it's like, are you always seeking to solve problems? And so anyway, like, even in those four titles, you could tell that there is something that is a transference of belief or the crafting of an identity. And so just as people are out there looking at any books that are nonfiction in any topics, That might be a good thing to consider is like, is this giving me a framework or a view or a lens or a process that makes me the thing that I want to become, which is ultimately the person that has escaped from pain and arrived to pleasure? Like they got, they've resolved the problem and the identity sits in the resolution.
2: Um, Another book that's probably, I mean, it could probably circumnavigate every one of these four categories, but it's required reading, I think for every human on the planet, but very few people have read it, which is weird to me, which is how to win friends and influence people. Uh, it that is not regularly referred to as a book on sales, but I assure you, if you take away the lessons from that book, you will understand how to transact, whether that be emotionally, financially, personally, et cetera, on what is probably the most important and valuable uh, currency known to man. And that is simply relationships. You can't be so wealthy I mean, without Yeah. I mean, I,
0: in my brain, because that book is always in my brain, but I figured that'd be a good fit into like, freedom of relationships so like maybe we can move into that so that kind of sets like the framework for nearly any and all like relationships interactions and communications um other good things specific to relationships
2: books or topics of consideration uh
0: just other other good universal books so there's i mean there's no shortage of relationship books either, but it's from the identity piece and from the belief piece that aren't speaking to like hyper-specific problems. That's kind of where I'm searching my brain. When friends uh, include yeah. people, that's just good overall. Like, here's how you interact with other humans well.
2: Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the, the if of all the four freedoms, I think freedom of relationship is probably the most interesting one. People, because they're like, does that mean i got to be like single? Like, I leave like my, my wife? So... That becomes a bit of of the the conversation.
0: um, It's another Seth Godin one, but it fits in relationships. But tribes, subheading, Mm -hmm. we need you to lead us. That's good. And that does bridge into purpose a little bit. But um, I think that that's a a very useful one for gym owners and then coaches relative to the roles that they find themselves in. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, so... With freedom of relationship, it doesn't mean absence of relationships, which is an interesting construct we'll get into in freedom of time. But it it means that basically to express or to experience freedom of relationship, it means to be able to be available, intentional and present in the relationships that you do have that are of value to you, whether they be called upon or things that you would like to invest upon. And so, you know, to, to be able to do that, Consistency becomes the sort of the framework of that central foundation. In that, if in order to for you to truly realize and experience freedom of relationship, you must get yourself to a place where you have the ability to operate with consistency, so that you can show up to every relationship as you would like to, right? As opposed to like freedom relationship is the conversation of showing up to sit down with Lisa for dinner, but then being enslaved to my phone and the messages and being pinged to it, right? It's it's the ability to uh, give to my kids time so I can go to their to their games. It's 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 things of that nature, and so consistency kind of centers the framework of what is freedom of relationship because we have to address the consistency of you as the person, so that you, we know that you show up the same every single time and how you intend to, and so we're back that intention in in uh, identity alignment conversation, but. Uh, one of the big books for that one is another old book. It's just the seven habits of highly effective people is an incredible book for many people because mostly what that book does is creates, um, positions of consistency and integrity, I guess would be the word. I hate the word integrity. I really, truly do. Cause everybody throws it around, but, um, it really builds a foundation for people to operate off of and And I think that every human truly, I believe every human has integrity. I do. I don't think that that's why I have a problem with integrity. Because I think it's it's a, it's a baseline for human existence. I think that we get to a point in life where we are so distracted that we can't operate from a position of integrity. And so therefore, we tend to be like, you don't have integrity. But it's really not that any human doesn't have integrity. It's that they're so distracted that they're making decisions that are not in the best interest and benefit of integrity. And that usually mostly affects relationships, right? Like, I don't make the right decision to show up as Chuck's friend when he needs me because I couldn't be there because I had to be someplace else. Right. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, yep. and so that book really helps set, I think set the foundation. But any book that really gets you to believe in your ability to curate your consistency and your identity will help you with freedom of relationship.
0: Um I think yeah a lot of the ones that a lot of the ones that end up having some piece tied to relationships are very congruent with aligning with purpose. Um and so another one that I'm Probably one of my more recommended books, um, maybe even the most recommended book aside from Magic Thinking Big and just kind of the general basic classics that I look at as sort of foundational, but the Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your your entire life is comprised of moments in time with people that you have varying types of relationships with. And so understanding how moments significance and impact and how milestone moments and all that really actually works and being able to curate that to build, to build a life that is a life that you choose based on your memories and your experience. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. It's another great book. I actually remember when you were referred to that book, the, the conversation that that happened in, uh, that is a great book though.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the guy that had recommended Power of Moments to me, um, unfortunately, passed fairly recently after I had began the book um, post-recommendation from him. It's, that's a really sticky one for me. and mm. Man, it's a good one.
1: Yeah, and is it, that is a really good book. I've got a
2: lot out of that one. Yeah, but I think the way that Chuck was also prescribed that book and then the unfortunate circumstances that followed after really gives some gravitas and some, some brevity to that situation where it's like, man, our moments profound and important. And distraction really truly just plays such a large role in eliminating our ability to be present in those moments. And so, man, life is short. So The Power of Moments is a great book. It's a fantastic book for that exact
0: reason. Nice. Where we go next? Um, um I would say quick base foundation one for the entire model. Hopefully at this point we don't have to say start with why but yeah. start with why. <laughs> and that I think kind of that segues us into the pillar of
1: purpose. Purpose. Yep. I thought that was a good uh transition. That's definitely a <laughs> a, a good foundational book for sure because everything comes back to why.
2: Right. Um Freedom of purpose is another another fickle one of the freedoms where I don't. I mean, people always think of freedom in terms of time and money. Right? I mean, it's just like they're the two central mediums that govern pretty much our entire day to day existence. And so, no doubt about it, they get to um, they get they take up the most bandwidth, so to speak. Everybody wants to get free of their time. And they want to be free of of money considerations. But freedom of purpose is, if not. <laughs> it it might be my, the most important one because it's how you spend your time it's how you spend your money it's it's the person that you are it's the person that you're going to become it's the person you want to be seen as but it's honestly it's the recognition and the realization that it's all ending soon and so how you are free to spend your time and invest your time and and, and really just use your time dictates what will be left in your absence And so freedom of purpose is really probably one of the most important ones and most overlooked, but it's how you spend your time. And like most humans are living in conflict. They are not in alignment. They're not congruent with their identity, how they would like to see themselves and how they act. And freedom of purpose is your ability to align that exact conversation. Freedom of purpose is really just truly freedom of congruence. It's it's the alignment of the person that you want to be, the person that you see yourself as, the person you aspire to be, and then your ability to live in alignment with that. Because like, let's be honest, if let's say you are a mechanic, great job, fantastic. But maybe as a mechanic, you see yourself as, you know, a, 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 a large scale philanthropist that, you know, is going to go volunteer their time to somebody in Kenya. That's going to be very hard for you. It's almost nearly impossible. but You can give money to it. That's fantastic. So being able to get yourself into a position where you can not only capitalize on and realize your freedom of purpose, but you're also in a vehicle that enables and, and empowers you to live that freedom of purpose is the important one. Um, and that's one of the reasons why uh, it starts with why is such a profound book that, you know, honestly, we don't really, we don't really recommend it that much, mainly because it is a book that people can read many times and get many different reactions from it, or they can read it many times and be like, "It didn't click." But the funny thing about that book is, whether it happens on the first read or the fifth read, at some point you'll read that book and be like, "Aha!" Right? And it's really truly understanding. And I think that that is the that book itself and Freedom of Purpose in general is the it's like the the penultimate, the quintessential conversation that is you know. When the student is ready the master will appear uh, freedom of purpose is a hard conversation to have with somebody until the other pieces of their life are in place and then man does it change everything about who you are and it's what you are as a person and like i could say personally as a human it took me until much later in my life to really truly understand what freedom of purpose was and how that was really the thing that i was always after more than i was after freedom of money or freedom of time was that i wanted to be able to live in alignment with what was important to me and who I wanted to be and I didn't want to have to be bothered to have to show up to be somebody else at some other time.
1: Yep. So
2: That's a big rant, sorry.
1: No, it was great. It's very very appropriate. Um, um anything less throwing on that one too?
0: and more like, you know, kind of in the ether of somebody so Tony mentioned like, you know, a lot of it was it was lost earlier in life because it's hard to really appreciate some of those things and be aware of them and see the significance. So um if you're looking to kind of discover a little bit of what your purpose might be or just a different way to look at it, um The Alchemist. I recommend that very frequently and that's just a wildly entertaining read or listen as well. Um and then uh Awaken the Giant Within might be helpful if somebody feels like they've got an inkling of their purpose but they don't know what to do about it or what to do with it. Um, it's, those two kind it. of come to mind under that.
1: That's an interesting one, that one when we talk, uh, when Tony was just saying that, you know, some people go start with start with one and they're like, it just doesn't click. That's a book that I have sat down, Awaken the Giant Within, Sat down and attempted to read about 10 to 12 times over my life and can't do it as an the initial part. Yeah, but it's just oh, that, um, that, circling that change.
0: money, a foundational one. So, sorry, this just came to mind because of, yep. it's also Tony Robbins under money. money, master the game. If you really yep. just feel like you have no fucking clue how money really works or how people who are wealthy look at money, um, that's a really, really good one. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, start with why I think is really foundational. And for some people, it's like this really deep, profound, like, oh, oh, like, I get mm. it. I get it. And for some people, they're like, hmm, entirely lost on me. And then, like, I fall into, like, this this middle camper. I'm like, I completely get it. And I get it so much so that, like, I'm done. Like, it mm. it made sense to me so quickly and in such solid depth um i'd say maybe for for somebody out there that doesn't feel like they've connected with start with why i would say jump on youtube and look at some of the simon Sinek's lectures and some of his speaking yep. pieces because the dude is one of the best public speakers in the world and him speaking and lecturing on why might be more effective than the audiobook or in you reading it although yep.
1: in saying that i got more out of the audiobook than reading it that I went back and reread it after hearing him like talk about it in that audio book. And then I went, now I read it and now I get it. And yeah, it, it, I, I, would, then.
0: I would be willing to bet you 100 us dollars. So way better than Australian <laughs> dollars. Um, <laughs> not really. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: I think that the audio book for awake and the giant within would be very, very different for you. And I would be willing to mm. make a wager. Especially if you found right. a similar sequence
1: and start with Y. Yep. Okay. I'll take. I'll take that bit. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of books on purpose. I
2: mean, I'm admittedly it's hard for me to not consistently refer Simon Sinek books because I'm probably like one of his biggest fans. But I try not to because I find myself to be a little bit biased towards it. But the the value of purpose and the beauty of purpose is that. You know, it's it's respective to the receiver. And so everybody is a little bit different. Like another great book is Man's Search for Meaning. Everybody has read that book, I feel like at this point. Um, But everybody ultimately has a very different relationship with that book. Um, You know, what people take away from it, I think, is is really ultimately up to them. That's an interesting book. I think most of the books on purpose, it would be unfair to assume or to place upon the person I gave the book to what I would expect they to take away from it. And I think that's the unique part about purpose in general is that, you know, it really truly is a freedom.
1: Yep. And that's one of the, um, I guess, the things that, you know, I learned very early on is that, you know, you you are free. Your purpose doesn't have to be some sort of cookie cutter model that you guys dictate to us and say, this is, this is what it should be about. It's you choose what your purpose is, your why yeah. and build from there. Not
2: only does it not have to be some cookie cutter, if it is cookie cutter, it's not yours. Yeah.
1: Correct. So I guess to to round out, like um, we talk about purpose, how about time? Time's a, time's a big one. Time's an easy um, one,
2: honestly. Go What would you say? I said time is an easy one, honestly. It's the easiest one. It's the most... It's the most clear. It's the most concise. It's the most how do I get my, my time back And But I think the easiest way to to circumnavigate the conversation on time is to understand how, what is the theft of time? What is the thief that steals your time? Mm. And that is habit. What you subconsciously and unconsciously do every single day, day to day is far greater than you probably likely realize. And that is where all your time is. going. Every human who comes into contact with us tells us they don't have time. And at which point we dig into their habits and then they realize, oh, I'm wasting a lot of time. So, you mean I got the
0: same 24 hours as old Elon Musk?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Bro, like you and so, me both.
0: Yeah.
2: All those bad, <laughs> all those wrong decisions that you were making unknowingly need to change. And so, you know, all the books on habit, I think, are, are you know, Atomic Habit is obviously a great book for that reason. Um, Power of Habits is another great book for that exact reason. Because it forces compound the awareness. Effect.
0: I think if you're trying to understand how, like, exactly what Tony is saying and where it goes, the compound effect is nice. Because it helps you appreciate that, like, dude, these little actions or inactions, like, that is the chasm of the life that you want or the life that you have.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, um, it's time really management good. Like, what's that? Yeah, so they're all just time management. and It's all a conversation of how you spend that time.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of there's a fucking enormous number of books on time management. But I Mm. think like Tony's saying, you know, if you you can find a lot of wasted time, energy and effort fighting the symptom of poor time management, or you can just deal with the problem of not really great habits. And so Mm. that might be a helpful way for somebody that does feel like they struggle with time management to just approach it in a different light Mm. for a lot of small business owners. um, I think that the four hour work week is an incredible, incredible piece that I super recommend. A lot of it is a lot of the strategies and and tactics are outdated, but the principles Mm -hmm. are really important. And I think that it's, it's one of the few books that goes into really solid depth on a couple of pieces that I think are helpful. And um, maybe it ties back to money as well as time, but, really understanding the cost of your dream life and that it's probably not as bad as it seems because it's just managing the frequent expenses. Um, but also that you can separate your time and your income. And in fact, you absolutely necessarily need to if you ever want to live a life worth living. Yeah. Yep. And so for a lot of people in our space especially, I think that that's hugely relevant because it's the framework shift of you don't just need to figure out or like, you don't just want to figure out a shorter work week. You need to figure out a shorter work week if you want to have a life that is worth living.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: I mean, and freedom of time and freedom of money are so intrinsically in, in sociologically intertwined that I think that those are, it's very important to delineate the two of them because the big problem that affects most people is that they trade time, they trade dollars for hours. And so those two do become intertwined. And so regardless of what you do in terms of freedom of time, I think that's the most important to, to do there is to be very conscious of how you spend your time in exchange for what you get back from. it. So if yeah. as a business owner, you're uniquely in possession of that solution anyways because you don't need to trade dollars for hours. Instead, you yeah. need to maximize your ability to create dollars as opposed to earn dollars. Um, um, there's a lot of books on freedom of time. I think the, uh, the most important ones there is understanding where a lot of your time goes. And there's a great book called Hooked, Um, by Nir Mm -hmm. Ayal, which will explain to you very quickly where most of your time goes, whether you realize it or not, and how these things are engineered to take that time from you. And it's not even of your own choice. It is of your own addiction and your own uh, subconscious volition. Adversely, though, that book was so powerful. And and he realized just how dangerous that book was. He wrote the antidote to that book, which is Indistractable, um, which is probably one of the, the greatest books on establishing and reasserting freedom of time and taking your power back of your own time i would recommend that book but frankly i find it to be very um ineffective or less effective so to speak unless you've read hooked first so you got to know where the problem is which is in hooked and then you'll really truly grasp the value of of, uh, value of that distractible
1: awesome well we've built up a really comprehensive list on 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 that guys and i think that's uh it's probably only just scratched the surface, however, but I'll put the list in the show notes so that people can reference what uh, what uh, they might might want to choose from for that. So I think that's a really good note to wrap on today. I will give and you one um, other
0: thing before you wrap, because this is a yep. big thing for me that I still struggle with. Yep, it's okay to bail on a book. Yeah. <laughs> I, there, yep. There is an enormous number of books that like earlier in my life that I just fucking fought through because people like us do things like this and I'm not a quitter.
2: <laughs> yes, I would yeah. agree with that. Um, if I you also can get would... one
0: thing, then you're good. So if you're ever like yep. not feeling a book, like did you get one potentially beneficial thing? Cool.
2: Yeah. You can also read more books than one at once. And frankly, sometimes I find it to be very valuable to read multiple books at a time. I know that sounds weird, but we're like I can't even finish one book. You want me to start more than one? Well, one might take your attention. The next thing you know, you can drop the other ones off. Um, yep. I think the, the ending part of this conversation, it's important to, to clarify is that as it applies to freedom, there is this belief or this assumption that freedom is the absence of responsibility. And it's important that we make it known that freedom, regardless of what books you read, on which topic, time, money, relationship, or purpose, freedom is not the absence of responsibility, it is the intentionality of responsibility. And so, if you find yourself in, not in possession of freedom of time, money, relationship, or purpose, seek the answer through the intention of the new responsibility you'd like to create, the freedom will follow. A lot of people believe freedom is like, I got nothing to do. That's not freedom because we've all been in that situation and you're anything but free.
1: Yeah. Perfect. And that's a that's a really good little mic drop moment to, uh, to end today on. So thank you for your time once again, gentlemen. Really insightful, really informative and uh, we'll catch up on the next one. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Fitfiliate podcast. If this was helpful to you and you would like to jump on a one hour call to solve one problem for free, click the link.